broadcasting from the greater Philadelphia area and various locations across the U.S., this is unofficial remote. The good, the not so good, the glorious, and the bull. Real talk about working remotely. And we are your hosts, Jeff and Kim. All right. Hey, uh, we're back. Unofficial remote. What's up? We're back. <laughs> Last episode, we had uh, Chrissy on, which was an interesting conversation and there are some talking points we wanted to go over before we get into our current episode. So I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I really had a really a real good time talking with her. So if anybody that had not listened to that episode, she is one of you know among the unexpected remote you know teams that have gone uh, remote due to COVID nineteen. So we talked you know about some of the things that she's discovered in the eight weeks since she kind of started working remotely, and um, I was really curious to see if. You know, when you and I both started, we kind of envisioned what it would be like, and you know, some of those assumptions proved to be wrong, and and some of them proved, you know, to be true. And uh, so it was really it was a lot of fun to kind of hear like her experience because she's so new, you know, working remotely to get a better idea of what that's been like for her. But she also pointed out a handful of things that I have not stopped thinking about ever since. Um, just really some benefits that had not really occurred to me, you know, because when I started remote, I, you know, left one career and, you know, entered the, the the tech world and joined a SaaS company. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't working with the same, you know, manager and the same, you know, uh, colleagues. But she really pointed out some really interesting things that I thought were really kind of meaningful. So number one, she talked about uh, improved visibility with her supervisor. You know, yeah, that was interesting. I I thought that was like, oh, I never even thought about that. But yeah. that made a lot of sense. It it did. And so I thought about, well, why hadn't that occurred to me? And it was probably because, you know, I did not go from being in a co-located office and then to remote with the same people. So I really didn't have, you know, have that to compare it to. But she was really able to kind of have that perspective where before she knew, you know, to approach her supervisor was that knocking on the door. Hey, really sorry to bother you. Do you have a second? Blah, blah, blah. And then feeling like you have to, you know, speed talk, you know, what it is you were looking yeah. to, to accomplish. Um, but that it really gave this this opportunity for her to be very succinct and very concise with what she was trying to communicate. She didn't no qualifiers required, you know, that she was able to take advantage of that asynchronous communication. It's you know, one of the really great things of working remotely and eliminate the bullshit that would usually kind of come along with that and get right to here is what. I'm doing here is what I need. Um, But really, she was saying that, you know, the the communication so much more. She said, I have I've never talked with my supervisor or had that much kind of connection with him as I do now. I thought that was really interesting and um, wondered just kind of thinking that through and how that would impact one's career. You know, having that that level of visibility compared to that co-located and then also considering, you know, looking back on working co-located, how did that also impact, you know, a career or specifically my career? You know, how much did my qualifiers and like, hey, really sorry, like this timid approach, um, unable to just say, this is what's happening. Here's what I need from you. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. And the other was the intentional friendship or relationship building. That's really something that's kind of really kind of stuck with me the whole week. So you and I, we became friends, you know, as, you know, colleagues on a remote team. And right. the folks that we we worked with are some, you know, some of my most treasured 
your relationships and friendships now. And thinking about that, you know, again, going back to the, that co-located, you know, environment, thinking, you know, I was friends with a lot of people I worked with. Would I want to hang out with them outside of work? Would we, would we be friends otherwise? Mm, probably not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I enjoyed working with them, but not somebody that I'd want to, you know, go out with after work or stay longer to kind of spend time with them or kind of, you know, connect with them. And thinking about working remotely, you don't have that opportunity. There is no, you know, just chilling with your colleagues. You know, you're, you're not kind of all getting together for lunch, you know, in the, in the conference room. So the connections that are made are, there's intent that's there. Yeah. Communication that, that takes place, you know, picking up on somebody's sense of humor, you know, it, that it really is when, when friendships are made in a remote setting, that's a different level, I feel, of, of friendship. You know, that's a connection, not just because we just happen to be working together, but there had to be an intention there. And um, yeah, that, that you got to really put the effort in. If you really want it, you have to. Yeah, exactly. Some steps you have to take to, to make it happen other than just because you don't see them every day, like you said. So exactly. Room, not sharing lunch. So. And like the, the, so those friendships, it was because I really genuinely cared grew to care about these individuals. I, I had to want exactly what you said. I had to want to build those relationships and how that grew out of remote work. You know, it, it just is, again, that same thing, like you were able to kind of just strip out all of the, the bullshit kind of things that are usually there. And what you end up with is just a real genuine connection with somebody. And uh, I had not thought about that because she was talking, Chris, Christy was talking about, you know, working with somebody in a cubicle and how they're, they're, they no longer kind of have that connection and, um, and how they're, they're maintaining uh, that, that friendship still. And uh, so that was just something I've really been thinking about that those relationships, um, it's not just the usual, like, yeah, like work with my colleagues. Oh yeah, we're really good friends. We might even be friends on Facebook, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not inviting them over, you know, to hang out on a Sunday afternoon. You know, yeah. not because like I don't like them, but just because like that'd be weird. You know, it just feels weird. But yeah. the colleagues that you know that that I've worked with remotely, you know, the, you being you know in a full time full time RVer, you with intent go to visit them. Like when you're kind of passing through their town, and everybody's always yeah. so excited to kind of connect with you, and have also then connected with your family, and that that circle has grown. You know, so you you have folks in your family that I care an awful lot about now and um you know and the same thing you've you've uh made a strong connection <laughs> like i feel like i got completely bypassed like you would just skip right over me when you met uh you know the person <laughs> i'm married to and uh and, but that's been such a that's been so much fun watching that friendship become what, what that is because i think that that's one of his most important uh friendships as well yeah, so, it's, mine, so. It's, it really is that's one of those things that really stuck with me and i don't know the answer I don't, I, I just, all I have come to the conclusion of so far is that those relationships built in a remote setting are, are built with intention, not because you just happen to be in the same office together. Um, but really there's something different there that I, that I think is, uh, amazing. So I don't know the answer. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd also, you know, we'd also, uh, I know you stressed this with her was, uh, know taking some steps to steps to uh make the case for staying remote once the things start to go back to normal and just a little side note she she texted me uh 
was earlier today and uh, she got laid off. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So right out of the blue, you know, and she'd been there for, I don't know how many years. What did she say? Eight. Eight years, I think. Yeah. So I don't know. I think this was just the, maybe it's a victim of, of all this company wide that they're laying off. She's not the only one, but uh, yeah, so we'll have it to have her be on again. It might be longer than that, I, but years. She had been yeah. there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she goes, well, I'm just, uh, I guess I don't have to come back on the podcast and tell you how the remote job's going because they just laid me off. And I was like, what? Well, we'll still have you on to talk about that, but, and you're always welcome to come back. But, wow, well, I gave her some uh, some job sites and stuff. Well, is, so is she now, okay. now is she going to be seeking remote work specifically or has she not decided yeah. that yet? Yeah, she is. I, uh, I gave her several sites um, after talking with some people that we'd recently hired that they'd used with success. So I sent those to her to, to check out. And so she, uh, she definitely likes the remote aspect and uh, she, I think she's hooked on that. So she, that's what she's going to focus on is, uh, is trying to get a remote job now, but. Yeah, I will. Um, I'm looking actually through my notes. So I belong to a, a handful of Slack groups. So anybody that's looking for remote work, um, I always recommend going to going like joining a, a Slack group that's within your area of expertise, you know, whether that's UX writing or th there's actually even really great Slack groups for specifically remote workers. Um, virtual, not distant. Is, is probably the, the largest one run by a couple of amazing professionals. But um, oh. I will also send you a link. So the, the good folks yeah. over at user interviews, so userinterviews.com is, is the SaaS company. They actually put together the ultimate remote UX research job board. So as they put together a database in uh, Airtable. So I will send you a link to that as well if you want to forward that to her. Yeah, that'd be great. And the other and, one was virtual, not distant. Virtual, not distant. It, so they have, it's a, it's a uh, collaboration superpowers is like the website. There's like a podcast. Um, they have all types of uh, virtual team talk is, so they have virtual dot, not distant, I think might be the name of the podcast. Collaboration superpowers is the website, but virtual team talk is the uh, Slack group. So lots of, uh, and, and there that's global. So if you're looking specifically, so, you know, there's going to be all kinds of information floating around in there, uh, just folks all over the planet, but um, really great, really, really great resources and content and just exchanges of information. But really, I mean, the, I belong to one, two, three, four, five, six Slack groups. And I think everybody now has a, a job board that they keep populated in there. So, but yeah, virtual team talk yeah. is just for, of those, that's the only one that I select if I belong to this just for folks that are working remotely. Everything else is kind of like within my within my field. But um, yeah, I'll send you a link to that Airtable uh, database that the folks at User Interviews has put together. Yeah, and we can put it in the show notes too. And then I think we'll have to uh, have one of our upcoming episodes, uh, you know, how to find remote work. If we haven't discouraged anybody, you know, with our <laughs> straight talk. But uh, still, the you know, the, you had some really good steps for uh, making the case for staying remote for those that are, you know, transitioning back or don't want to transition back to what it used to be and would like to stay remote. 
Yeah, because I don't, we, you and I both know a handful of folks, like our counterparts at other companies that have been remote temporarily. And now they're kind of looking at, they're getting ready to call us all back. And so a lot of people now are kind of saying, why? You know, why would I want to go back? Or I, I don't want to, this works better for me. But, you know, so like Christy, she was kind of referring to the, the old boy networks, you know, that the, that, you know, if there's not oversight provided, then our, you know, our right. employees are going to yeah. kind of like piss around. But, um, you know, so when we kind of were talking with her and, you know, I was kind of kind of taking her through the steps of reflecting back on that time working remotely to almost get her to, to articulate how she has been more productive, how that has been a positive influence, not just on, on her own productivity, but her, her output is improved and, and all the reasons why that's true. So what would be document, you know, really just even things that somebody would think are, are, you know, just insignificant types of things, document the kind of how you see your productivity has in, increased, include things like that increased visibility because you have the increased visibility with whether that be uh, a supervisor or, or manager or colleague, you know, because of that, this was able to be accomplished and it doesn't, you know, you don't have to have data to back it up. Just say like, I feel that that was, you know, accomplished more efficiently due to that kind of a scenario. Yeah. Definitely document cross collaboration, cross functional collaboration, particularly if that cross functional collaboration took place with a stakeholder. Document the heck out of that stuff because what you want to do is be able to support not only how you're productive, but how it also then had a positive impact on the business. You know, how did that help move the needle? Document all of that stuff. And, you know, because when we were talking with her, she kind of kept, you know, showing how this is how I'm just as good here as I was there. I think really move beyond that. You're not just as yeah. good here as you were there. Yeah. You're better. And, here, yep. and here's all the reasons why. Definitely document all of that stuff. Take the opportunity to do things like lead team meetings. So we're, <laughs> you and I both have like a little bit of a, you know, <laughs> A little bit of a problem, a little bit of an issue with like remote team meetings, and sometimes they can't be run efficiently. But be that person that steps forward to run those meetings efficiently. There is so much documentation out there. Like there's really like those leading influencers in the remote space, like those companies, like the, the buffers and the, the base camps, all kinds of content out there about, you know, running efficient team meetings. If you're not in a position to be the person to lead those team meetings, try to get uh, remote team building activities on the agenda and lead those those activities. Just a way to kind of step forward to show that you're a leader within the remote space, at least, you know, a leader of your own, <laughs> you know, your your own environment, you know, stepping yeah. forward um, as that, that, that voice that advocates for um, remote leadership. And definitely anticipate obstacles. Like, you know, like if you really sit down and think about it, you know, if you anticipate you're going to get pushback, like, no, we're not going to do that remote thing. Everybody's going to come on back. Really think about where, what, what is going to be the, what can't we do remotely? What is going to be the pushback? And, and define that, write that kind of stuff down. Well, they're going to say that we all need to come together, you know, for this type of meeting or this type of a project. And then ask yourself, but do we really? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, look to those that have gone before you. Go look at the the, the base camps and the the Zapiers and uh, the buffers, Atlassian, Trello, and see how they have 
manage to be fully remote and still accomplish those. Don't reinvent the wheel. See how others have solved it for those that have come before you. Anticipate the, p- the pushback that you're going to get and be ready to have a plan for why that's actually not the case. And again, not why it would be the same or like just as good, but why it would be even better. Um, well, she she has a unique perspective, too, on this because she's been pushing for remote work for several years. So she knew. I think she knew in advance what the arguments were going to be for, you know, for against against remote work. And because she's been told those things before now that they had to do it. Now, you know, did those arguments play out? You know, you should be able to articulate. Well, you said this, you know, when, you know, and you can do it in a professional way, too, not just as a haha, gotcha moment. But no, we found that this actually was the it was more productive or, you know, you didn't. Like you said before, the accountability part of it, good old boy network, we got to watch our employees or they're not going to get anything done. You know, I think she could, uh, you know, if she was still employed there, obviously, but I think people, when they're arguing for it, can articulate how it was more productive for them, like you said, anticipate those arguments. And look at the, the, you know, what we do have, you know, what kind of data is nailed down. We know that attrition, so, you know, folks leaving or folks quitting, the rate that people leave is significantly lower when teams are remote. So we all know yeah. that, you, you know, you can look up the cost of, of when somebody quits, the, what that costs the company, then to hire somebody and to, to onboard them. And so nail that down, nail down all that data, you know, the things that we know to be true and then how remote played out for that, for your company, you know, and, and be ready to kind of not make the argument, but really make the argument. I mean, for really that, that's exactly what it is. You know, and I, I was kind of thinking, you know, I wonder how often we're going to have people will have leadership kind of say like, well, let's start off, you know, let's just do one or two days a week and we'll see how it goes. Before you even have the conversation, really decide now, are you open to that incremental kind of transition? And if yeah. so, what would that look like? Because either go in, you know, like this is what you're looking for, but if you are going to be flexible, have that kind of stuff nailed down. Um, I just read uh, Never Split the Difference. Really great book. So it's about like negotiation and in all aspects of life. So it was written by this guy. He's been like a professional hostage negotiator, um, international, you, you know. So he kind of took what the FBI had done and, and how they had approached negotiation. And he kind of just laid out these ways that to navigate negotiation in life, whether that be careers or relationships or whatever. And um so when I was kind of thinking about that, you know, deciding now, you know, are you open to incremental transition? Well, the the author of that book would say, no, that's splitting the difference, yeah. you know, yeah. and he would say, take that off the list. I guess read the book. Never split the difference. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it's really good. I like that viewpoint. Yeah. Because if you give a little, they're just, it's going to go away. You know, it'll be back to as it was before if you don't have a good argument for keeping it. Yeah. Like you said, there's all kinds of data out there now. It is. And it's it's so well documented, you know, and it, I know right now, if you even Google search, probably sounded like I was peeing. I'm actually pouring wine into my glass. In case <laughs> um, it, that's Google, a, that's one of those mistakes we're going to talk about in Zoom meetings <laughs> later. <right? so. laughs> but like searching anything remote work right now, I mean, the Google search results, you're just going to be inundated with all of these unexpected remote you know, companies and how they're navigating through it. 
you need to really cut through the, the noise of all of that to get to that actual data. So that's kind of why I mentioned companies like Atlassian and Trello, Buffer, Zapier, Basecamp. These are companies that have been doing it a long time and have taken the time to document that journey. And they reference those those uh, studies that have been done around, you know, the the savings, the cost savings, the productivity, the, all of these different you know, positive aspects. But they also do a really good job of documenting what didn't work for them, especially like the early days. Like, oh, yeah, we tried this and like they just document the heck out of it. And then they have a whole other piece on why that was stupid. You know, <laughs> how they kind <laughs> of like, you know, like, oh, well, we're going to have to pivot on that one. But there's so much that's out there because it's so new and exciting cut through all of the noise of all of the more recent kinds of documentation and, and get back to the folks that have been at this for quite a while um, so that you can kind of, you know, stand on that kind of a, of a platform when advocating for that. Yeah. The data is there. So make sure you use it to your advantage. And I think within your company, you can probably find some stats too, if you needed to, I would imagine some of that's documented as well. All right, so one of the things with remote work is you have to have meetings in theory. In theory, please. <laughs> Theoretically. Theoretically, you need to have a meeting. That's still kind of that old school thinking. But, you know, periodically it's good to connect. But for Christ's sake, make them efficient so people aren't <sighs> opening new tabs on while your meeting is going on so they can look at something interesting because the meeting is just going on way too long. But we, we both have some pet peeves about meetings. You were just talking before we started in about your last one and like how many meetings you have. Yeah, I have currently five standing meetings per week. Five right. standing meetings. You've heard me talk before. One of the benefits of remote work is being able to focus. And that that head down in the zone type of focus, when that is interrupted constantly with meetings, it it, it I mean talk it just just takes the wind out of your sails, and it becomes <laughs> frustrating. And then when you get to the meeting, if it's not efficient, if it's if it's not meaningful, if it's if it's you know just a bunch of people, just you know, oh my god, it just drives me up a wall because all I'm thinking about is what I could be doing, and what I'm not doing at that moment. Not to mention all the other people that are in the meeting. I can't speak for all of them. But, <laughs> yeah. You know. I get the feeling that everybody kind of has that feeling, though. Really, if they're being honest, it's like, except for the person that organizes and sets up these meetings, I'm sure that they enjoy the shit out of it. But God. Yeah, those are the people that like the sound of their own voice. Right. Exactly. It's funny. Uh, Zapier, you know, they have this uh, article, and I'll link it, Seven Strategies for Running an Effective Remote Meeting. Mm -hmm. And Number one is decide <laughs> if you need a meeting at all. <laughs> yep. uh, that is perfect. Yeah. Do you even need this damn thing? Really, really give some thought to that. I don't care yeah. if you want to hear the sound of your own voice. If you're the selfish prick that just wants to pull eight people into a meeting so you can just talk and talk and talk and it isn't meaningful to every person in that meeting. Yep. You, you need to, you need to rethink that strategy. Yeah, if you want to get together, do something like you you came up with for for our team and where we worked before together before was the happy hour. You know, have a happy hour periodically. That way, that way we get our FaceTime, but it's not in a formal setting and it's a voluntary. And you can show up if you want to. You don't have to, but it makes it fun instead of these required things that really they have no 
meaning at all. Number two on the list, start and end on time. If it's supposed to be 30 minutes, keep it at 30 minutes. Yeah, if you're gonna start a meeting, start and end that thing on time. I, it's just, it's just so disrespectful. It, it just, it is. There's just no way around it. Um, I don't have a meeting without an agenda. Yeah, you gotta have an agenda for the meeting and stick to it, but you don't have to read the agenda. Oh my gosh. Everyone can see it. There's another time waster in an efficient meeting. As somebody that we both know, that's the way they run their meetings. The We're first go... 12 minutes, the first 12 minutes yeah. of every week was he read the agenda that was already sent out to everybody and would start yeah. the meeting confirming, did everybody get the agenda? Everybody would say, <laughs> yes, yes, but as a matter of fact, we did. And then he would still read it line by line by line at minimum of 12 minutes every time. So annoying. Ugh. I don't I don't think it ever occurred to him. Well, maybe he didn't, who knows? I would put it past him. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, it really is, is such a time waster. I think two, two out of my five standing meetings per week have an agenda. Wow. You know, and, and I'm not leading any of those. So one of those standing meetings is a one-on-one -on -one that I'm not the organizer of, but you dang well better believe I'm going in there with an agenda. I've got talking points. I'm going to plow right on through them. Because if you're not coming with an agenda, if you're not going to run it, then you need to move out of the way because I'm going <laughs> to. Like, <Yeah. laughs> I, I, I don't have time. I just, I don't. I, it's just after five years and, and meetings like that, I just, I don't, um, I'm just not willing to That's negotiate. Yeah. So, yeah, you got five a week and how many of those are necessary? One is necessary. Partially. The rest are just kind of. It could be. be the ego. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's really. Could be used other. Yeah, they could use other means to communicate what they have in this meeting. Yeah. Slack yeah. or even email or something. Or That's just not. Another... You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, these are things that could be communicated in, in other ways. I think um, Basecamp has a like the rules of engagement for communication. And I was, I was actually just looking for an article because they were talking about specifically remote communication and like the evils of using at channel. So if you're familiar with Slack at all, uh, when you post something and you put at channel, everybody in, you know, the, in the channel is going to be notified or like they're going to get a ping. Don't use at channel unless everybody in that channel needs to hear what it is you have to say. And no, not everybody cares about this picture of your cat which is, you know, what I've been, you know, experiencing most recently, especially when you have people in different time zones, is it important enough to wake right. somebody up exactly. to hear or see? If it's not, you don't have to put it. You don't have to put out channel, not necessary. But rules of engagement from Basecamp, they were kind of talking about the that asynchronous communication, the beauty of it, how to use it, how to use it the right way. And meetings are reserved for very specific you know, uh, situations or circumstances outside of that. Uh -uh. They, they have, they use such pointed language around the value of people's time and their ability to focus and not breaking their focus and the respect of other people's time and the work that they're doing. And as the assumption that what you have to say is more important than what they would be accomplishing had they not been in that meeting with you. And, um, I really appreciate, uh, Jason, is the CEO over there. And he, he 
very specific with his words. And I, I really appreciate that he does that. Don't, yeah, I like don't... reading his stuff. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't mess around. Whew. But that's what like... I, I like that. I like the directness. Yeah. It's just like there's no gray area. This is, you know, which I like. I don't like the, oh, how do I interpret that kind of feeling yeah. that I get from some people? It's like, okay, should I interpret it this way or that way? So yeah. you know, I end up asking them because it's like they're not clear. That's the other thing. Sometimes in meetings, some of the topics are like, was that directed at me? Or, I'll have to send you a link to that the the rules of uh, the rules of engagement that, that he yeah, wrote. Yeah, and I'll include that in the show notes. So, because one of the things that he also talks about is you have got to write with clarity. If somebody has to come back and asks to ask for you to clarify, then that means that you did it wrong. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, and then he kind of you know paints a picture of all the reasons why that's a crap thing to do and don't do that. <laughs> but that. To communicate in a way that, that's so clear, you know, and he just does it. I'll, I'll send you the link to that. But it really is. Um, I wish I try not to think about how much time I would gain back. If Yeah. How much time do you waste in a week with those meetings and the lost revenue to the company? Like you mentioned. I know how many hours of your day or your week could have been better spent in it. My. The, my previous company, I think I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what in the hell people were trying to say, you know, yeah. especially like among the leadership, it was kind of like, what? Wait, I'm not understanding. And some things were kind of said or written in a way where it seemed like this, it was something that I was already supposed to know about. And it would just be you know, like yeah. a project I had no knowledge of whatsoever. And, you know, Again, like having that that George Costanza Seinfeld moment, like, well, if I ask and it's something I'm supposed to know about, well, then I'm in trouble. Right. But if I yeah. don't ask, then I'm going to be completely off base. And then you know, it's like the round and around and around and then trying to figure out how to write the question in a way. I, I, I just know it, I spent so much time carefully crafting responses, asking for clarification because <laughs> I knew I didn't write it in the right way. What I was asking them to clarify, they would think I was asking for clarification on something else. And it just would go around and around and around. And uh, what a pain in the butt that was. That still happens. Yeah, it's. I think it's just one of those, I don't know if it's like different ways of approaching communication or, or if it was just that group specifically. You know, same thing I, I experience now, but not quite to that level. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had any uh, George Costanza moments yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully yeah. you don't. Yeah. So uh, I guess to the next part is how to run an efficient meeting or how to improve the efficiency of a meeting when you're not running it. It's two different, totally different viewpoints there. But Well, if you're running the meeting, exactly what you said, is it necessary to have a meeting? Is it really necessary? Is there a better way to have gone about it? And if the answer is yes, you need to have it, don't start that thing without, without an agenda. Yeah. And consider the cost. We like to think like, oh, well, that's an hour and a half. I'm not going to get back. Well, okay. Well, how many people are in that call? Of 10 people in that call? Yeah. All of them lost 90 minutes. You know, so you that's, that's multiplied. And you have to consider what somebody would be accomplishing if they weren't spending that time there. 
you know, I'm really kind of weighing those things and get out of your own way, you know, before you schedule the meeting, you forget about the sound of your own voice and considering that stuff. But I'd be interested to hear what you think, you know, when you're, because you and I have both been in meetings where they weren't being run efficiently. And we both have kind of stepped up a bit to try to get somebody off out of the ditch and back on the road. <laughs> what would you tell somebody if you're not leading the meeting? How do you, how do you improve you know, that? I, I wish that uh, we recorded more meetings so that I could, if, if it wasn't something they needed my input on right away. And, and usually there's, not anything that they have to know, like at that moment, but then I can, you know, watch it later and then give my feedback to them via, you know, base camp, email, maybe notes in the, in the case for that or the project, but we don't do enough of that. Or we don't do it at all where it could be more efficient to just record it. That way it's not taking me off of something else that I'm working on. Well, I don't know. Recording means accountability, though, friend. <laughs> yeah. Some, and that's probably why. <laughs> that's probably why we don't do it. Yeah. But I think you know, also, I, like you said, leave, be intentional about the communication. Yeah. So. I mean, and there's some meeting environments where that's not necessary, and you want people to be able to be relaxed about it and have you know spontaneous brainstorming, you know, and, and collaboration. And sometimes that's yeah. not going to occur when things are being recorded. But when right, you have right. those standing meetings, there are actually some great apps out there. So instead of recording it, the app will take notes. It's, oh, it's yeah. kind of, it's built right in, you know, you can kind of uh, integrate that with whatever your, your meeting platform is and it will take meeting notes for you. And then, you know, share the notes, <laughs> you know, and so people can refer back to them later or if somebody isn't able to attend or just you know, has something more important going on. You know, if you don't want to have to record it, it doesn't have to be video, it doesn't even have to be audio. You know, you can use one of the apps that will take the notes, meeting notes for you. Yeah, that's a good idea. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that would even that would help. Just get a transcript of it and scan through it. You lose a little bit, I think, with that because there's some of the conversation maybe doesn't get transcribed like it should. But yeah, I'm not familiar with which ones are, are efficient. I know the folks over at AppQs, they use uh, some kind of a note taking app that runs automatically. I'm not, I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure some are going to be more efficient than others, but yeah. um, you know, even just to have the gist or the, 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 the highlight of the talking points, I think would be, would be valuable. And don't, you know, it's cause it's always the person that likes the sound of their own voice. It's also responsible for taking the, the, the notes, yes. you know, they're, they're kind of jotting things down. Um, you know, for the love of God, don't be the, don't, you know, remote work. I don't really know of anybody that's taking minutes. You know, if anybody's like taking minutes in meetings, I don't really see that very often. But, you know, it, it's always good to have the recorded, like, okay, what are our next steps? Here, you know, use that agenda. Here's what was on our agenda. Here's what we decided to do um, going forward. Even if that decision is to add it to next week's agenda, whatever. Yeah. Document it. it. It's not that difficult. And if you can, get an app and it'll do it for you. So how do you question the necessity of a meeting? Mm. In written form, not in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of great blog articles out there. Somebody that could have, you know, approach that in a way better than I would. But it's for, for me, it would be something like, hey, you know, I, I got the uh, invite to the meeting that you scheduled for this date and time. 
just wanted to check on the agenda. I have some really big projects that I'm working on. If I'm not, you know, if my input's not required, you know, could you just kind of take notes on that and uh, let me know if there's anything, you know, that stands out as meaningful to me specifically? You know, at least putting somebody on notice. Like, I got some other things going on. That actually helps me when the agenda is published beforehand because then I can scan it and then I can say, well, do I really need to go to this one? Because otherwise I'll stay in the queue, you know, and knock these tickets out that are backlogged, you know, something like that. Or finish working on this project that I'm kind of in the zone on. This meeting isn't something that I need to be there for because none of the topics concern me. That does help. Some, too, yeah. Sometimes that's tough to write, though, because, again, like, remember, we're talking remote work, so we're we're writing that to somebody. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to say, you know, and it may be a very nice way, but what you're essentially saying is, hey, I read your agenda and sucks. you added me sucks. to this thing and that's not a good use of my time. But, you know, you don't want to, it needs to be very pointed. That's not yeah. good use of my time. You know, how do you tell somebody, I'm not coming to your meeting because I'm not needed. This isn't, you're not going to be discussing that it requires anything from me. <clears throat> so with uh, with meetings, we also have there's certain uh, etiquette rules, things to avoid when you're in a when you're in a meeting. You know, one of those things that at the place where we work together, you know, probably a good idea to shut your uh, office door that is also your bedroom so that we don't see your kid in the bathroom peeing. <laughs> with, and that's, you know, that's if you have cameras on, you know. And of course, it seems like uh, a lot of these uh, companies now are new to remote work, use Zoom. And uh, there's lots of uh, examples out there of people uh, kind of getting used to these meetings with Zoom where maybe they don't know how to work it, so they haven't turned off things like sound or camera. When they're... I mean, it's... <laughs> It's going to happen to everybody at some point. I mean, for crying out, what was it? Just last week, we had the Supreme Court uh, was hearing uh, arguments, and you were able to listen uh -huh. in like for the first time in history. And there, in the middle of the day, we heard a toilet flush. Yes, yes, that's classic. And you know, what was funny is they just didn't skip a beat. They just kept right on going. Like I'm telling it you, happen. Scotus doesn't mess around. They, they don't mess around and no giggling or anything. They didn't yeah. take stride. I was <laughs> that, like, wow. I would, I would have been, uh, I would have been like the guy in the call. Um, it was, it was viral about the lady. There were like, I think 12 of them in this zoom meeting and you can see her getting up and she's moving with her laptop and she goes right into the bathroom and sits down on the toilet. And this one guy just starts breaking up laughing and the person that's presenting, you know, misses it. Cause you know, there's 12 little windows on the screen. And then by the time she realized something was going on, the camera was off. But uh, that's a classic moment, classic Zoom moment there. Especially with all the new Zoom users. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. And uh, so one of the clients that I work with, she sent me a link. So Snapchat has Snap filters. They're free that you can, you know, it's like an add-in to, to Zoom. So she all of a sudden had this big pink mask on. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what in the world is going on? She's like, oh, you like it? This is my this is my uh, snap filter. So uh, she sent me a link to that. And it was like a day later. There was this great graphic that was going around. Uh, you know, the Zoom window 
all the, you know, different windows. My boss turned herself into a potato. She can't figure out how to turn it off. Like, oh my gosh. But yeah, like our uh, person that we worked with, you know, just kind of office set up in the family room and there her child, naked as could be, walked right behind her, walked right. right into the bathroom, left the door open, bless his little heart, peed like a big boy like he is. And uh, we all watched it happen. I see your husband running over there very quickly to get him out of the background. It was pretty funny. I see, and I, you know, mentioned you mentioned the backgrounds, and I see today I saw a story about uh, you can change your Zoom background now, background now to uh, B and D or S and M type of oh. background with a rack with all this stuff in the background. I'm not sure why you would want that in a meeting, but. It was uh, interesting now that the things are coming up with for backgrounds. Yeah, and there's tons of them to, to download for free. I downloaded one, so it's a scene from The Office. Oh. So it's, uh, it, it essentially looks like I'm in like The Office set, and uh, Michael Scott is sitting next to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's just so many fun ones that are out there. And You know what would be cool if with that background is if you could have it set so if somebody said something... It was a that's what she said moment. You could hit something and he would animate and say that and then stop moving. That would be that would be perfect. You should probably build that. Yeah. <laughs> we should totally do that. Yeah. There's another, there's another there's uh, another as far as etiquette, I I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well, but it's every type of Zoom call participant illustrated by cats. And so if you like at it the you know the first one, the one who's too close to the to the camera <laughs> and, it, and it's classic as it goes mr muffin genuinely believes you can only hear him if he puts his entire face into the camera when he <laughs> speaks and that reminded me of a recent saturday night live skit where so the, good oh my gosh the two admin assistants their first time in a meeting one had never used her computer like that before and it was just that was the exactly what they were doing hilarious hilarious and don't don't eat even yeah. if you don't have your mic on or your your cam on um or chew gum we um, we've worked with somebody that ugh. notoriously and really liked really good sound equipment so he was really working with a, with a nice mic that picked up everything so when you're doing something like chewing gum or, or <laughs> eating a chicken salad sandwich it is so you just hear everything happening in their mouth. Everything happening in their mouth. Everything. Oh. And I, and it. I'm not somebody that's kind of grossed out by that very often, but that was. Uh, that's not easy to take. It's a smacking noise that goes along with it, and you can hear the moisture as they're chewing. You know, yeah. Good, yeah. It's just mm, no. There's nothing good about that. Nothing good about no. that. Not at all. But also, so Zoom. You know, that's been my, my company uses Zoom and has used it for, for quite some time. I am so over it every time yeah. that the bandwidth that it takes to open up Zoom, like you click join the meeting, then you got to open Zoom, then it's got to open up the app. And then I got the beach ball trying to log into this thing. I'm really I think I'm just done with it. You're done with them. Fuck Zoom. I think I'm just fuck Zoom. I, <laughs> seriously, it really it to just be so slack you the built-in 
you know, there's, there's built-in video conferencing audio through, through, uh, Slack, but Google Meet, you know, it used to be yeah. Google Hangouts, you know, that was just as good. Now everybody's got Google Meet. Yeah, I just do not see a purpose to use Zoom. The, the opening of all of that and it's just, it's just, you know, why do I have to open up another application to make this run? I have to go to a special website if I don't want to open up an application, and it's never easy. And, yeah, it should just be simple. Go to this website or click a link, and it opens up in my browser. Yeah, it, it's it just. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh-uh. Webinar, you know, if you're going to be using, like, Zoom webinar or something like that, that, oh, I mean, even with that, though, you're still asking your attendees, you know, audience members, they're going to have to do that, but. Internal meetings, I am just not the, the purpose of, of Zoom. It just doesn't make any sense to me anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, whether well, that's five minutes, I'm not going to get back. Yeah, <laughs> because it just it takes forever. It just shutting down tabs, try to speed it up. I can't have PowerPoint open at the same time I'm trying to open. It's just too much bandwidth. Oh, it yeah. takes forever. And that's the right. thing with that's Chrome. Cool. Chrome uses a lot of bandwidth. That's the knock on it. And then you got to add in that, all the other stuff. It's so is that a Mac thing or is that Windows too? Because like I'm opening up that, uh, you know, the uh, activity uh, manager in Mac and, you know, the equivalent of the task manager in Windows. And Chrome is just kicking my tail. I have oh, yeah. been looking up like, you know, is there something new that's happening that this is kind of like draining the bandwidth? I don't know if Windows folks are experiencing that. Or if it's just I a think Mac. it's the nature of Chrome, and I think it happens on Windows as well. But, and I, you know, what gets me, you know, working, the, you know, in the RV, you know, power is a big consideration. So, I don't want to have to use up all my laptop battery once I get a full charge, and Chrome just drains it, and it, and I'm not sure why it does that. I don't have, you know, I turn off all the extensions. I'm got everything that I can think of turned off, but it's just a memory hog. It just sucks up the, the processor for some reason. Google help renderer. That's, <laughs> that's when I open up that activity manager. Yeah, yeah. And Google help renderers are running in there. But I, I've actually just recently been looking up, you know, Mac, Chrome, CPU, Google, uh, just to find out, is there something going on? Because um, it, it's having to shut down things to be able to open up zoom that that shouldn't be i i can't i'm not streaming anything you know i'm not keeping spotify open like in my browser um and you know even the spotify app along with chrome um maybe i should just transition to safari or something i don't know that's the thing and some like this the program we use for our uh, podcast is uh squadcast and that's a chrome only at this time because they can't get it to work with safari which would be sweet if they could, because then I could use my iPad, which is much more efficient than my laptop as far as power usage. But yeah, they something about Safari browser, the way Apple has it set up, doesn't allow the some certain web standard. I don't know all the specifics, but Apple doesn't make anything easy like that. It's, yeah, you know, integrating anything Apple, even uh, integrating with like because uh, you can get the Microsoft Office apps, like so you know you can have. PowerPoint and such, you can have that, you know, made for, for Mac, even you, like integrations that you can have in, in Windows uh, PowerPoint, you can't do the, the same with Apple. They just make that kind of stuff very difficult. Yeah. It's a pain in the butt Apple. to make it work, but I love their stuff. I mean, I, just, I do. Yeah, that's true. God well, I think that's all I had. 
this is uh, was this has been a good uh, conversation about uh, our last episode and also uh, how to run efficient meetings and how to make the case for staying remote. Did you have anything else to add or? No, no, I'm just uh, thinking of Christy and I'll get that link to you so she can kind of take a look at that Airtable uh, database and. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll have one of our next episodes talk about, uh, since this reality kind of, I think we were both kind of shocked to hear that because it sounded like yeah. it was going well. And then, and she she was obviously shocked because she thought it was going well, as you know, too. So maybe uh, have her on. We could talk to her about that. And then some tips for people looking for remote work, sites to use, those sorts of things. She had some good good advice there with Slack. I don't, I don't know that people realize how much information you can get from Slack. I mean, I, I learned that from you, and it's like kind of just opened up a whole new world because there's a lot of info out there if you know how to find it. Yeah, and that and it's free to join those groups. Yeah. You know, and they're just – it's just rapid exchange of information, and it's all there. You can go back and, you know, find resources that have been posted, and, and just everybody's just sharing templates and files and – you know, um, just plans that they had used that you can just copy and paste to use for your own team. And it really is um, amazing, just the information that's being exchanged. Yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll get together again next week then. Great. So have, have a good weekend. You too. All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Unofficial Remote Podcast with your hosts, Jeff and Kim. And if you want even more Unofficial Remote, be sure to subscribe and head over to unofficialremote.com. That's all for this episode. Please stay safe and see you next time.